Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. The Gospel of Matthew's genealogy is a treasure trove of symbolism, revealing essential truths about Jesus' heritage and mission. In a culture where lineage was synonymous with identity, let's learn along with the Hearing Jesus podcast how Matthew strategically crafts his genealogy as a bridge connecting the messianic promises to their fulfillment in Jesus. This was pivotal for the Jewish audience, signifying Jesus as the awaited Messiah who would restore Israel. The book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Starting in verse 1, it says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheltiel, Sheltiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abihud, Abihud, the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Alihud, Alihud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Mantan, Mantan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to Messiah. There's a couple things that I want to point out to make sure that we understand the reason why Matthew includes the genealogy and the way that he did. I think the genealogy is more important than we might originally realize. In general, the word genealogy, it's a Greek word, and it comes from the word that we use for Genesis, which, of course, you know Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and that word Genesis means beginning. Genealogies were a common way to establish someone's identity in that culture. While we don't necessarily do that very often, we do ask questions like, oh, well, where are you from? Because it helps us get a sense of someone's identity. So this is a much more in-depth way to answer that similar question. But really, this is an answer to the question of where Jesus was from. It made sense in that context. We learn as we read that there are some ways that Matthew's genealogy was symbolic, not just historical. 
But in general, there was this longing with the Jewish people for the kind of kingship that they had under David, this longing of the Davidic kingship to return, and this messianic promise that the Messiah would restore Israel and lead like David did. And so that's one of the things that they were looking for as they were looking to determine who the Messiah was. It's interesting that Matthew starts by saying the son of David, because that phrase itself carries this messianic connotation. At the time that Matthew was writing, the readers would have heard that word, that term, the son of David, and they would understood that to mean that the son of David is pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. Because again, they were looking at the lineage of David, the son of David, to mean the Messiah that was there that would be rescuing them from their situation. He also mentions the son of Abraham. And if you remember, Abraham was the patriarch of the Jewish people. So tracing the line of Jesus back to Abraham would have helped them understand that this Jewish heritage was part of Jesus's identity. I think we can miss that if we're not Jewish readers or we're not understanding the culture and the time frame that he was writing in. Overall, the way that Matthew writes is really a clue to the Jewish audience and the tone of the entire beginning portion of the book, because what he's doing is he's establishing that Jesus is the Messiah, this king, as he's showing that he's coming from David's royal line. The first four chapters or so are really kind of establishing that. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The second point I wanted to bring up to make sure that you didn't miss is that there's an inclusion that is not typical for genealogies of this type. In verses 2 and verses 11, he mentions the brothers. And normally what would happen is only the firstborn son would be mentioned in a genealogy like this. And so when it says his brothers, it would have immediately caused his readers or his listeners to pay attention. And so what Matthew was doing was he was symbolically referring back to the stories that his audience would know. And he's talking about the time in Israel's history when they were in exile away from the promised land that happened both when they were in Egypt and then again when they were exiled in Babylon. So the way that he's doing this, he's showcasing this idea that God is a God of restoration. And because when you're in exile, you need restoration. And he's reminding them that this process of exile leads to restoration only through Jesus, only through God's hand. And they were in a situation where there was still a lot of foreign oppression. We're even talking during the second temple period of time, there was still a lot of oppression for the Jewish people. And they were constantly in this season of waiting, waiting for restoration, because in some ways they did feel like they were still in exile. And so again, what Matthew is doing is he's laying this foundation to say to them, Jesus is the answer. He is the restoration that we've been waiting for. The third point that I wanted to make 
there's a mention five times of women. And it is not typical to find women in ancient genealogy. In fact, it's unheard of. And so I want to make sure that we recognize that and then talk a little bit about the reasons why Matthew did that. In verse three, it talks about Tamar. Tamar's story, there was a lot of sexual sin, both on her part and done to her. And Tamar was a Canaanite, not Jewish heritage. In verse five, he mentions Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, Canaanite not Jewish heritage. He also mentions in verse 5, Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, not Jewish heritage. And then in verse 6, he mentions Uriah's wife, and it talks about how she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. While we know that she was caught up in adultery with David, and while her specific genealogy isn't mentioned or her heritage isn't mentioned, if she was associated with Uriah as a Hittite, many scholars believe that she was also a Hittite. Again, not Jewish heritage. And so what many think is happening here and what we tend to see here as Matthew is laying this groundwork is there's a foreshadowing of how God used unlikely women and would continue to use an unlikely woman in the story of Jesus. Think about Mary. She was unmarried. She was a young woman. And it was Mary in verse 16, he mentions it, that was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. It was a very unlikely scenario. It was not what they were expecting. But as he helps them remember these other women that were in the genealogy of Jesus, it helps them to understand that there is Gentiles throughout the history of the Messianic line. And what that's doing is helping them to understand that Gentiles are included in God's restored kingdom. See, this isn't just for the Jews. Historically, what would be typical we would see bloodlines kept pure. And, you know, there's lots of stories about how even the thrones that are in place today have done that. But by contrast, the bloodline of Jesus was really messy. And so what Matthew is doing is he's highlighting this because it's this indication that Jesus came to restore that which was messy and broken in a way that only he can do as a Messiah. So, well, I think the temptation is there to just skip this section and jump right into verses 18 and beyond. I wanted to point some of these things out because I think it brings a lot of value to the conversation, to the genealogy, but also it lays this foundational work where we see Matthew is setting up this foundation to teach the Jewish people and to teach us that, yes, Jesus is the king. He comes from this royal line and he is the one that is going to restore us from this exile spiritually. But that also he uses broken people like you and like me. I love that aspect. And it's something we see from the very onset of Matthew's gospel. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body which decreases as we age. Taking Calitrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. 
Calitrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HISTORY, that's H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, using the code 30605.